0: Hello ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know generating income from our expertise is pretty easy. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me here every week to make sure you are building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. Before we get started though, one little disclaimer, because I'm a lawyer. The information I share on the podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or legal opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now. Here we go. Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. We have a wonderful guest today. Jill Mokes is joining us. Hi, Jill. Thank you for joining us. Erin, thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm very excited about this conversation. But before we get started, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah. So my name's Jill. I'm a business coach.
1: I'm based here in the uk as you can probably tell from my accent gives it away a bit i coach phenomenal women around the globe so i have clients in the states and in europe and in the uk and i coach mostly purpose-driven women who really have a message to get out there and i help them with their vision their business model their marketing I help them bring it all together to get a profitable and sustainable business out into the
0: world. That's fantastic. Well, this is the perfect audience for that. And so there I know there are many areas that you help your clients, but today we're going to focus on mindset slash money mindset. So I love mm, you have my um, favorite topic. <laughs> and it is it's so important. I'm not going to say that men don't have mindset issues. Men do have mindset issues. But women, have we have our own special set of mindset issues. So having... We make a career of it. We do. (laughs) We do. (laughs) Now, you're on your website. You have this, which I absolutely love, that you work with outstanding coaches to define and design the full fat version of the coaching business they really want, not the light version they think available to them. So tell me what that means to you. Oh, Erin, that came about... So I
1: should probably say that the majority of my clients are coaches, they're life coaches, they're business coaches, they're health coaches, they're leadership coaches. Most of the amazing women I work with are in the coaching industry. And I think that sort of metaphor of bringing to life the full fat version of the business, it was just the best way I could feel, I could come up with to describe the thing that we do when we start out. Which is, we always limit ourselves to what we think is available to us. So we don't think beyond what we believe ourselves to be capable of at the time. And I know because I've been on that journey myself, I didn't start my journey into entrepreneurship as a business coach. I started as a virtual assistant, mainly because it was the only thing I could think of to do because I'd worked in corporate insurance for over 20 years, I literally felt like I had no other skills than insurance. And with all of the compliance at the time, it was really impossible to set up on your own in the UK as an insurance agent. So I sat and I just knew that I wanted to start out on my own. So I thought, oh gosh, like what could I start a business doing? I don't know anything other than insurance. And my niece at the time was just kind of starting her own thing as a VA which I'd never heard of I didn't know that that existed and I remember thinking well I kind of know my way around a spreadsheet how hard could it be but to be honest with you that was really the start of me just going for what I thought was available not stretching myself to do something that fitted a wildest dream or even a big dream it was what can I do that is available to me now. And so my journey from VA to online business manager, right through to business coach, even when I first started business coaching, I think I was still playing small. I didn't have a high ticket offer. I was very accessible. I was very easy to get hold of because I had no boundaries. (laughs) And I think all of those things are really what got me to a place of looking at this metaphor of a full fat business, building any business is hard. Why on earth would we beaver away at this kind of light version of what we really want? If building any business is hard, why wouldn't we go for that full fat version? The bells and whistles, the real thing we want to do, no holds barred. So that's really where that came from, my own journey.
0: Yeah, that is great. I mean, there's a couple of things there. One, when we leave corporate, a lot of us and me included, we kind of just go out and we do what we were doing in house. So now we're running our own business without benefits, doing the same thing, but we're still kind of part of somebody else's process, right? We're, we don't have our own. Right. Process. And then growing that to feel that I'm not just an extra pair of hands, I am an expert in my own right, and I have value that's different from everybody else's is definitely, definitely a journey. And then, you know, when it you really then... is mm-hmm.
1: just what came up for me when you just said that was that it just reminded me that when I first started my VA business and my online business management, I owned an agency for VAs and OBMs. And I can remember working, supplying VAs and working myself as a VA for coaches and telling anyone who would listen that I didn't want to be a coach. I'm very happy in this supporting role. I'm very happy. Making other people's dreams come true. I don't want it for myself. And of course, that wasn't true. It absolutely wasn't true. It was
0: just, again, what I thought was available for me. When you had that realization, okay, I'm playing too small, I'm just the light version. How did you come to that realization? Did you have a coach or was it just the light bulb went off? How did you flip that switch? I did hire a coach. Absolutely. I think
1: every coach should have a coach. Yes. I think every entrepreneur should have a coach. (laughs) And yeah, I absolutely work with a coach. I've worked with a few coaches throughout my entrepreneurial journey. I've certainly worked with a few coaches. I think one of the really pivotal moments for me, when I really hit that full fat, I am unlimited. I am literally only limited by my own ideas. That's the only thing I'm limited by. Anything I can dream up, I can Eventually, make happen if I make take enough micro steps towards it. Right. But I think that the moment I really hit that button and started to believe that was when I decided to become accredited. So, before I was accredited by the ICF, which is the International Coaching Federation, I think before that I still had a little bit of my own imposter syndrome. So, I would coach my clients around overcoming their imposter syndrome. But I think there was still a little bit of that playing in my head. Mm -hmm. And I found that getting accredited was something that it just hugely moved the needle for me. Do I think I'm a better coach for having become accredited? Not really. Mm -hmm. I don't think it necessarily changed my skill at coaching, but it changed my mindset. Mm -hmm. I never went to university. So I'd never worked towards something like a degree or I left school with A-levels, but that was my kind of limit and I'd never really done it. So this was my equivalent. And I think all my life, I've been quite a, I always call it a flim flammer. I've always been a shiny object person who um, struggles to complete something, you know, exactly. but I did it. I got my head down and I went through it and I got my ACC and I think that achievement for me, I think that's what really was a pivotal moment in mm-hmm. me giving myself permission to take that limiting cap off right. and say, do you know what, if I can do that, then hell, I'm going to build the biggest, bravest version of the business I really want. Yeah. And if I can do that, I can definitely help other people do it
0: too. I like and, that. Right. As I say, that's, I caution people against getting too many certifications and kind of using them as a crutch. But your example that. of using it as kind of a, I can do this, not because I'm magically when I see it, but because like I can do this. I can really tackle stuff, hard things and finish them and giving you that boost to kind of move forward with it. That's my favorite certification story right there.
1: Absolutely. Has it got me more clients? I don't know. I don't know if I've got more clients. I had a full roster of clients before I became certified. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do it because I thought I needed it. I really did it because I wanted it. I wanted it for myself. Yeah. It wasn't really for my business or for my potential clients. It was so that I could definitely be the best coach I can be. But yeah, I think you're right. I think it was for that. It gave me this confidence that I haven't had before to think bigger.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, one of the things I wanted to go back to on the full fat version, which you mentioned, is Mm. creating a business is hard. So, why work so hard to create the light version? Why not just go for the full fat version? And I would say I've had that experience in my business. I mean, it's, you know, lawyers, we're known for billing by the hour, selling our time. And as I am my own avatar, trying to like build an IP based revenue stream instead of just selling services. But it was really, it took a really long time for me to get there. Because I, even though the full fat version for me is a one-to-many model so I can educate more people, it felt like, no, that's not what lawyers do. Lawyers do one-to-one. But I'm like, it's just as hard for me to pivot from my big corporate experience. I didn't work with entrepreneurs most of my career. So I still had to pivot (laughs) to work with women founders of businesses. So I can either make that pivot doing one-on-one or I can make the pivot doing one-to-many. And like, ding, ding, but it took me a while to get there. That is just such a great example of it
1: because you're right. I think we have these stories, don't we? Mm-hmm. Lawyers don't do that. Mm-hmm. Lawyers work one-to-one. Yeah. And of course, the truth is that you will always have that ability to work one-to-one, mm-hmm. but you can put a very high price tag on that for the right people. That mm-hmm. might be the right service if you wanted to offer it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But I think Just getting creative with leveraged offers, which is, I know, what you work with your clients with, I mean, it is absolutely most people's full-fat version because it's time freedom. It gives you everything. It gives you that freedom to work wherever you want, whenever you want, with whoever you want. And I think those are those three things
0: that probably in most people's full-fat bucket list. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, there's more than one way to measure wealth, so to speak definitely time and joy (laughs) are more valuable, arguably, than the money. Mm -hmm. So mindset, when I was thinking about this, I was just thinking mindset period. And then Mm -hmm. from your perspective, you call it money mindset. Is there a difference to you? And if so, what do you think the difference is? Yeah, I think there's absolutely a
1: difference. I tend to, for business owners, I think it falls into two camps. It's a success mindset, which is really that whole full fat, heart. It's Mm -hmm. dreaming bigger. It's really being honest about what you want and then going for that and having the confidence, the courage, the clarity of vision to be able to make that happen. There's a lot of that goes on with your success mindset to believe that that's possible and available for you. Mm -hmm. I think personally with entrepreneurs, so much begins with our own money mindset. Because that money mindset piece tends to be the bit that pivots whether you believe you can or can't do something in your business. Mm. Because generally speaking, people know what they want to sell. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: They know how they want to do it. They know the kind of people they want to work with. And then the block they stumble over is, but will they pay me for that? Mm. And I think money mindset is a trip up for so many entrepreneurs when it comes to putting together the perfect offer for those ideal clients, because they know they want to give those ideal clients a ton of value. But as soon as they start packing in the value, they kind of get it that the price should reflect the value. But for some reason, we have these legacy money stories that stick with us from childhood. Money doesn't grow on trees. You've got to put your money away for a rainy day. You've got to be really cautious with your money, don't take risks, don't go into debt. These are all money stories that we've kind of inherited from our parents that we bring with us into our entrepreneurial journey. And they really hold us back because it then means that when we are trying to create these ideal offers for our clients, we start getting really scared when we're building an offer that feels like it's delivering a ton of value. But when it comes to putting an appropriate price tag on it, we sometimes don't. We put an inappropriately low price tag on it. Mm -hmm. And that's incredibly damaging to your business. But it also then has this knock on effect of being damaging to your success mindset. Because when offers don't convert, when they're not selling, you don't believe you can do it. It takes a lot of grit to keep going if you're not seeing any results. I think the reason that I see more than any other is that there is a disconnect in perception of value with the offers that particularly coaches, but I think other service providers put out there. And this doesn't mean that every offer should be a high ticket offer, but it does mean that if you are making a promise to deliver a high value transformation, you're doing yourself real damage to not put a healthy price tag on that because the perception of the value is damaged and lots of other nasty effects of doing that which I'm happy to kind of expand on. But yeah, that's really fundamentally, that's where I see the difference in the mindsets is that there is the success mindset, which is really the self-belief. And then the money mindset, which is those legacy money stories that often hold us back. I always hesitate to talk about valuing your worth mm. because obviously you can't value your worth. It doesn't really work like that. Mm-hmm. But I think you can value value The transformation you offer, the change you make in your client's business or life, Mm -hmm. you can reflect that in the value and in the price of what you offer.
0: Now, I think a related issue is how to differentiate yourself in the market. Because I do feel like Mm -hmm. coaches tend to have the most difficulty. What's another leadership coach, executive coach? like, How does that all play into the money mindset and success?
1: That's a really good question because it is, and it's a really topical one as well, because since COVID, we've had a huge influx Mm -hmm. of people into the coaching arena because there's really no barrier to entry. Mm -hmm. It's not regulated and lots of people, it's an attractive business proposition for a lot of people to become a coach. Standing out as a coach is hard. There are a lot of coaches. I think the anti-intuitive answer though is stop worrying about standing out. Stop worrying about marketing yourself. Stop worrying about all of those things that you think are what will set you apart and start coaching your clients at such a high level that the results they get are so phenomenal that they are recommending you right, left and center. If you can get the testimonials, those are what will make you stand out. I think we, online business in general, has got everyone thinking they need to be a marketer. Mm -hmm. I'm not a marketer. I'm a coach. Mm -hmm. I need to be really good at coaching. I need to have my client say, oh my God, Jill is the best coach I've ever worked with. You need to work with her. She's Mm -hmm. phenomenal, right? Just that, just that will get me more business, more referrals than any Instagram reel, any lengthy, lengthy LinkedIn post. Mm -hmm. I think for me, it's about concentrating on the right thing. And that is being just outstandingly good at what you've chosen to do in
0: your Mm -hmm. business. Right. Allow that to
1: speak for you.
0: I really like that. And certainly your emphasis on, you don't have to be a marketing expert, a marketer, because that is definitely the message that I have received and struggled with because I'm like, okay, I got to do all And then I'm like, at some point, I'm like, wait a minute. I am not a marketer. (laughs) right? I'm a lawyer. I know what I know. I don't know any of that. And I don't actually, I don't want to know any of that. I just want to have my message and educate and somebody else needs to figure out how it gets out there.
1: And And do it your
0: way. And I think
1: to your point about coaches, and I think this is one of the industries where it happens the most. And the ironic thing is that the more coaches try to master every marketing strategy under the sun, the more alike they sound. Mm -hmm. So it's actually self-perpetuating. Coaches are getting better and better at marketing. And I guess my question is, why aren't they just getting better and better at
0: coaching? Oh, that is so good. That is so good. Related to that, and as they get better at coaching, as they develop their frameworks, as they develop their exercises, materials, workbooks, Guess what all of that is? Well, I know now
1: because you have educated me on it. I'm leading the witness a little bit here.
0: Oh, you so are.
1: Honestly, I mean, working with you on that topic has been such an eye opener for me. I guess I felt a little bit embarrassed, if I'm honest. As a business coach, I felt a bit embarrassed that I just had this gap. Which you so beautifully filled for me in really understanding it. And I just haven't realized how foundational that is to a modern business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe it wasn't years ago, but it's so foundational now.
0: Well, I think because our reach is so great. When everyone yeah. was doing one on one coaching, that they'd go into the right. office and hang out over lunch and come back, it just wasn't the same. I mean, the reach was what it was. But now it really mm-hmm. is a different world and people are becoming mm-hmm. more aware of the possibilities of other ways to add revenue streams. It doesn't mean you give up your one-on-one work, but a way to add to it, the importance of a brand. Now, everyone, you know, well, you can use your name, but my law firm uses my name, but to develop a brand that can be greater than you and that maybe other people can deliver it for you as well. And so it has, I mean, things have evolved in that way and we just can't really ignore that asset anymore. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, tell me, do you have a signature solution or program? Like how do you work with your clients? I actually still love working Mm one-to-one.
1: So for me, and I think that's part of probably my outlook around how I'm a coach because I love coaching and I really love coaching one-to-one. And I do coach with some high ticket clients around the world, but I also, to your point, have leveraged offers too, because Mm. that isn't a sustainable model that I can uncap my earnings on. Right, There's one of me and I don't want to be coaching every hour under the sun. So I do coach one-to-one for my sort of VIP private clients, but I also have a mastermind, which I run each year called Rise Together. And we have most eight women within that mastermind. And then I also at different times have different courses that I have at the moment, I'm working on a new course, which is only for ICF certified coaches, I decided to put my money where my mouth was. And because (laughs) getting the accreditation meant so much to me, I want more coaches to do it. So, um, but I think there is for a lot of coaches when they qualify, there is this almost, okay, so now I know how to coach, but I don't know how to build a business. Right. (laughs) So (laughs) I guess there's, there does need to be a balance of the two. Um,
0: yeah, well, a lot of professions exactly. are that way. Lawyers know right. how to be a lawyer, but they don't know how to run a law firm, and doctors know how to exactly right, you know, exactly. but they don't know how to run a perfect yeah. analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, with <laughs> your clients, are you seeing an awakening of the value of intellectual property? What What are they talking about? What are their issues?
1: Yeah, I think absolutely. I think they are. I mean, as you know, my mastermind, you very kindly agreed to come and talk to us and which we're thrilled about because it really is something that there's a massive need for education around this, Right. a huge need. And the industry I work in in particular, because I also think just to backtrack a little bit, I also think that there was a lot of muddiness and a gray area around what IP is. Yes, And I still think... That a lot of people don't understand actually what it is, let alone why it should be protected or at least be taken into account mm-hmm. and have an awareness around it, yes. so that you know what you do and don't need to protect or how mm-hmm. you want to protect it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the eye opener for me was when you were talking to me about contracts and things and just mm-hmm. just opened up my mind to mm-hmm. how new set of stuff I need to worry about.
0: <laughs> Thanks, Erin. <Aaron. laughs> <laughs> oh uh, yeah, the, I am now to You know. Just illuminate the problem, I have to also provide a solution so that's also accurate. exactly, <laughs> so that
1: is good, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but yeah, in answer question, I absolutely think it's something that people are becoming aware of, but they don't understand what the solution to it is, mm-hmm. so they're understanding it's something they need to learn about, mm-hmm. but I don't think they understand what they need to do mm-hmm.
0: with the knowledge or with the exposure they have, mm-hmm. right. Or that it's just overwhelming. Yeah. So I hear that.
1: Yeah. Or it's too, overwhelming. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That is my challenge to rustle that one to the ground. So to make it digestible. And I love what you said earlier as well about building that brand that's bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I mean, my website is my name, mm-hmm. but certainly when I have other assets as well, that for certain offers that I have, which will stand alone under their own mini brands. Yes. Like... Mm-hmm. And I do think that that is something that I'm planning to really start talking to clients about so that they make the right choice at the beginning. I think if I could go back now, I would have chosen a brand name from the beginning and Mm -hmm. not my own name. Mm -hmm. If I'm honest, Mm -hmm. I would. My brand is pretty established now. So I think it's quite difficult for me to just kind of rip it up and start again. Wouldn't really want to. But yeah, I think if I could go back I would and this ties in completely with that you make choices at the beginning that are made around what you believe is available to you. Mm-hmm. So of course for me at the beginning of my journey the thought of wanting my business to be bigger than me yes didn't enter the frame. Yes. Whereas of course now I know that I have a business that at some point I will want to exit. So it is a question that I will need to think about at some point as I bring other coaches into work right. with me, I mm-hmm. think it is something that I'll absolutely need to address.
0: Yeah. So yes.
1: For anyone listening,
0: think about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do think new entrepreneurs are thinking more about a brand that's outside yeah. of their own name than they absolutely. were when we created our businesses. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. what are you seeing absolutely. in twenty twenty three and beyond that's kind of new and exciting in your industry? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm actually, well, this is a bit of a prediction, actually. But I think the tide started
1: turning. And that is that horrifically loud noise across the entire online business world of all the gurus and the 20,000 different pieces of advice flying at you from every angle. Mm. I think it's quietening. I think the tide's turning. And I think it's because people are realizing that they're consuming so much from so many different sources that the overwhelm is incredible. They just really don't know who to trust, what to believe, what the right advice is for them. So my prediction for this year is that people are going to really start consuming less. I think they're going to choose authentic, genuine, transparent people to learn from. I think that people like you, Erin, with a real speciality in a particular area are going to be so sought after because people really want to be more choosy about who they learn from. So back to my point about if you really want to stand out, you better be damn good. Mm -hmm. That's really your only differentiator Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: there's no new marketing tactic under the sun, that's for sure. You need to be really good. And I think this, reduction in consumption and I'm seeing a reduction in consumption and an increase in creativity. I'm seeing a lot of people, a lot of coaches are writing on Substat. That's really popular at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think podcasts like yours, like mine, are really on the rise still. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Video shows on YouTube, I think everyone is wise to everyone's sick of all the social media algorithms. They're wanting a bit more of a steadier platform to mm-hmm. put their content out on. But yeah, that's my prediction. Consumption is going to come down, but people are going to get choosier about who they follow and who they learn from.
0: Yeah, I really like that. I mean, I myself have fallen prey to confusing consumption with productivity. Like, well, I'm reading these blogs, I'm reading this business book, I'm consuming, consuming. Yeah. So I'm learning and therefore I'm getting better, right? But no, you have to be creative. You have some output. You can't all be input. There's got to be some output. That's true. And yeah. so, yeah, that has been a shift for me. It's funny,
1: isn't it? Because really, when you think about it,
0: consuming content is the opposite of
1: being productive. Yes. Creation is productive. That's putting right. something out there.
0: Right. Doing the deep work. Absolutely. I agree. Mm-hmm. So, as you know, this is a bit of a meta podcast. I'm a female founder of an expertise-based business yes. that I am building to hopefully sell someday. So mm-hmm. how about you, Jill? Are you thinking about selling a business someday? What the next chapter might be? I
1: absolutely see a change, I think, in how I'll work. Yeah, I would. I think talking about that whole brand and building something outside, I don't think mm-hmm. it, that jillmokes.com will disappear, but I definitely will see perhaps my smaller brands like Rise Together, like destined for Impact those kind of things, I think, are going to really perhaps take on more of a life outside of jewelmokes.com. And I'm also kind of widening what I'm doing a little bit, really, now. So I've got a retreat at the end of this year in Portugal that I'm co hosting with a couple of other coaches. So that is your first retreat? Yes.
0: Okay. Wonderful.
1: I'm really excited about it. So, first one hosting, anyway. Mm -hmm, Yeah. I've been a guest, I think that's slightly easier.
0: Yeah, here's my credit card. Entertain me, yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's it. That's that's very exciting. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so that's really good.
0: So a couple of final questions before we wrap up. So I know you have an offer for the audience, and would you like to describe it and tell us about? Mm, Well, I
1: thought as we talked about money mindset earlier on, it might be nice to share an ebook that I have. It's on my website which is jillmotes.com, top right-hand corner, and it's Fix Your Money Mindset. So it's an ebook all about that. It's quite a handy one. It's a really a workbook, oh, okay. um, to be honest, but it's a chunky one. But there's a lot of work in there that people can go through, which is around unearthing those money stories that they've grown up with, and then really looking at how those are affecting their mindset around money in their business. And then a little bit of work around how
0: they're pricing their offers
1: and, open, open. you know,
0: the way to do that, that's mm-hmm. going to feel good. Pricing, pricing is so tricky. I mean, so much anxiety around pricing. So we will we have some a link- anxiety around pricing. Yeah. Oh, yes. Which
1: is funny, really, isn't it? Because there's no rules. There's no pricing police. (laughs) 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 Sometimes I think people are so scared of getting their price wrong. And I always say, "Mm, you're right. If you set that price and get it wrong, most pricing police are coming to take (laughs) you (laughs)
0: away. That's great. (laughs) I hadn't looked at it that way, but yes, that's great. So we will have a link to that in the show notes. Oh, Oh, perfect. Thank thank you. Yes. Yeah. And also, where can people find you? I know they want to catch up with you and find out more about the work you're doing. Of course, so jillmokes.com is my website and
1: there's lots of stuff on there. I'm on Instagram, Jill Mokes. Mm-hmm. I'm on LinkedIn, Jill Mokes. On Facebook, I do have a Facebook group for coaches, which is called Coaches Unleashed. Oh, okay. So check that one out. Yeah, but generally... Best place to catch me. I mean, I really like emails. I like people emailing me. Oh, nice. no. Really anyone emails that anymore? That is true. That we is only true. We send out these blast emails, don't we? And no one replies to those. Let's face it. So if anyone's listening and they want to cheer me up and give me a really good day, email me at jill at jillmokes.com.
0: Oh, fantastic. Jill's with a G. Jill with a G. Yes, yes. that's it. Yes. <laughs> fantastic. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for. Joining us, sharing your wisdom, and I know everyone got a lot out of it.
1: I hope so. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. I really enjoyed
0: it. Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guest and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourly toexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe and I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.